Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Money starts right now with an earnings extravaganza, more than $2 trillion at stake as some of the largest companies in the market just reported earnings moments ago. Facebook, Microsoft, PayPal getting ready to kick off their earnings conference calls, and we are still awaiting earnings from Tesla. They typically report at 4.15. It's 5 o'clock. Mm. Nothing yet. Hmm. Um, we've got full team coverage on all of these names, including Facebook, which Julia Borson is monitoring on Los Angeles. Gene Munster is on set with us keeping tabs. We'll hear from them in just a few minutes. And we start off with Facebook. That stock is soaring after the social media giant announcing daily and monthly users in line with estimates. It also said it has set aside $3 billion to cover an unexpected fine from the Federal Trade Commission, one of the largest in history. So it looks like all the privacy concerns over its platform isn't impacting the bottom line, safe to buy Facebook. Guy. I'm surprised it's up as much as it. Listen, a quarter was fine. EPS beat, revenue beat. I get it. But you talk about daily active users, pretty much in line. You're not seeing a lot of growth there. You're not seeing a lot of growth in monthly average users. Maybe that's okay. Um, in terms of this number stuck out to me, headcount up 36% year over year. That's a pretty significant number. I think the market's looking past that. The $3 billion, I mean, maybe that's a one-off. Tim can speak to that. But given this, I thought the last quarter was much better than this quarter. I thought the price action was justified last quarter. I'm not certain it's justified necessarily this quarter, Mm. although it was, I think, better than most people thought it was going to be. Well, I think when you talk about the price action here, remember, this is a stock that was down 60% last year. That's a sufficient bear market. Mm -hmm. They took a lot out of this. Um, The way it responded to earnings on January 31st, Similar response here uh, after hours. We'll see how it holds tomorrow. But if you look at the response from earnings today across the board, you got to give the market the benefit uh, of the doubt here. All the risk-on names have acted well here. AMAT's up. Uh, Microsoft is up. Lamb Research is up. That's a pro-growth message here coming from this market. And social media just, you know, to carry over from yesterday's Twitter and Snap and, you know, Facebook's obviously the monster in the group. So it's really all about them. But but it does tell you that there is continuing to see monetization, that the ad spend doesn't let, show any signs of letting up. Um, ARPU, so the average revenue per user for Facebook, continues to tick higher. Um, so, you know, I, I have to say that for a guy who's been very critical on this stock, um, they certainly haven't lost their user base. In fact, obviously, you know, you're now at some enormous numbers. I think this, the stories for the stock that have been the drivers to me for the last 20 percent have been about Instagram monetization, about e-commerce and the potential there. And I think these are these are things that give people some sense that the multiple, which I think without them, is 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 expensive. And again, relative to itself, Facebook at this point mm-hmm. is trading relative, uh, you know, it's trading roughly 25 times trailing, it's trading roughly 18 times forward. That's not cheap for Facebook. I do think it's cheap. And I think it's cheap because of the fact that I think when you look at the revenue growth side of things, earnings obviously this quarter is just something that's a little bit of a blur, basically, because it could be $3 billion, it could be $5 billion that they're going to have to pay off. But the fact that they added 8% to the monthly active users and the daily active users, I think that's pretty amazing because think of all the negatives that have been thrown at Facebook because of their own demise of the mistakes that they've made. But think of all the negative news each quarter over the last couple of quarters, and yet they continue to grow. A lot of people said, hey, look, I'm done with Facebook forever. Yeah. Well, not so much because it seems like they're coming back. And if they are monetizing the way I think that they likely could be uh-huh. in Instagram, 
I, I tell you what, I love the snap numbers. I love the Twitter numbers. I love what we're seeing there. There's competition there. Facebook still owns that market in social media. So the Bears might have said six months ago, a year ago, certainly, privacy concerns, that could be real. That could really translate mm-hmm. into the ad revenues going down, et cetera. Should those Bears go into hiding at this point, guys? Well, I mean, to Pete's point, nobody's left the site. I mean, no, people can make all the excuses, I want to leave Facebook, nobody's leaving. So governments I mean, can shut it numbers- down in the face of terrorist attacks. Governments <laughs> can demand more regulation well, on the industry. Without and, question. And find the stock can and still do and okay. And we've seen that happen. It's not like we haven't seen. I mean, we've seen that happen, right? Market doesn't seem to care. I mean, if it, I don't think it's going to happen here in the United States. And quite frankly, the fact that people haven't fled their site, given all the news you just spoke about, mm-hmm. is astonishing to me. I, I think we still, though, I'm not ready to say everything's A-OK for these guys that have a lot of pressure on them uh, in terms of the privacy issues. And in fact, they've made a bit of a business pivot. Let's wait and see actually what happens in these one-on-one and small group dynamics. I, I think they're doing a great job of paying lip service to being, you know, trying to figure out what's wrong with the Internet, whatever, however they're phrasing it. And I think we've heard this before from Mark Zuckerberg, but I do sense, you know, not only is there more sincerity, but I think there's a lot more at risk here. So You said lip uh, service, I, you know, but I, I would I disagree. Well, from, we've, heard, we've heard about right. people. No, about concerns about security and privacy right. f- forever. But think Facebook. about the money and why did that stock go down as much as it did? It wasn't just about the privacy concerns. It was also about, holy smokes, look how much money Zuckerberg is willing to throw yes. at this yes. issue. Right. I mean, that's what sent everybody, you know, it gave yes. the opportunity, Agreed. in my opinion. So I still think there's opportunity. I still say this is very much like Apple, where if we're all just going to focus on Facebook, we should be looking at Instagram. And I say that because 2 billion users, I mean, holy smokes, when you compare that to Snap, is there any competition at all? No. The reality is, if you've got 2 million sets of eyes here, and you've got a couple, like 150 million or whatever it is for Snap, we know where the ad dollars are going. And we've got the political world starting to stir up more and more. And as that gets closer towards the end of the year, obviously we're in the early part of the year, but as this pushes out, this is going to be something, Mel, where we're going to see more and more dollars going towards Facebook. Pete, to your point as well, I mean, these are these risks out here, these are no knowns, right? These are not new issues, the privacy stuff. And the way the stock digests that, going up on bad news, people who watch charts, we watch charts, that's how you want a stock to respond to negative information. You have to imagine this is going to give a run at the old highs. I think 220, 221 are the old highs. I think that is certainly in the cards uh, as we move through the course of the year. Here's a question. When are the elections, Guy? I asked you this the other night, so I don't think you'll have any problem answering this question correctly. <laughs> Tough one, though. When did the election? The presidential election. Almost a trick question. <laughs> November 2020, Thank you. <laughs> Ding, ding, ding. That is correct. Is there a risk in being in Facebook into those elections, given that was sort of the, the start that was, that of the entire That started this whole thing in 2016, sort of, yeah, and that exactly. got us down to 135 yep. or so. I mean, yeah. those risks are probably mitigated. The risks are probably ones none of us see coming. I wish I was smart enough to understand. Again, the fact that they added, I mean, the headcount's up 36%. I mean, that's a staggering number, right? I mean, to me, at least, it's a staggering number. And there are more costs associated with it. But the market continues to look past any potential pitfall. To your point, to Chris's point, good, good price action on bad news. That's the definition of a bull market. And on big volume. The breakout on January on earnings was on big volume. Mm-hmm. I'm going to suspect we're going to have big volume tomorrow. And this little pause over the last few weeks was on no volume. So it tells us the stock is being accumulated here. I don't want to bet against that. I, I would also say it tells you the stock's being covered. I mean, th- there was a lot of short positions in the stock. And, and there's no question you now have this quarter. People are waiting and seeing. You know, I, I would be scrambling in to cover this thing if I was short. I, and, and again, w- the momentum in the social media space, we've always talked about this. There's a dearth of ways to invest in this right. part of which is effectively, call it new media. Call it really, this is this is... 
this is how the advertising works. Does this rise that we're seeing in Facebook stock, Pete, tell us anything about where we are in this market cycle? And the fact the setup last year was terrible for Facebook, mm-hmm. and maybe that's why that name is catching a bid right now. Sure could be. And, and, and let's, let's look at them fundamentally. Trading 20 times forward earnings, right? They got $10 billion in free cash flow coming in. I mean, the numbers are there that tell me that this is a stock that still has some upside to it because of all those numbers. They got virtually nothing in terms of debt. You, you look at this company, and I think the headcount, a lot of that really is the money that's being spent for everything that Zuckerberg said they were going to be spending their money on. I think that's the contributor for why we're seeing that headcount go up because all those dollars, we're talking about billions and billions of dollars that he was throwing at this. The markets didn't like it when they heard it, but now all of a sudden it seems like people are willing to say, you know what, it's okay, Facebook's going higher. It's just hard to call 20 times a peak valuation for this stock. It's gone 60 to 180 over the last four years. Um, We're in this great bull market, and 20 times doesn't seem excessive or speculative given the backdrop that we're in right here. For more on Facebook earnings, let's bring in Loop Ventures founder and Fast Money friend Gene Munster. Mm. Gene. Um, a guy started this whole thing off saying he wasn't sure the rise in the, in the after-hour stock was merited. So wh- what's your take on what's going on here with the stock in the quarter? As somebody who has not been a believer in Facebook, I think the rise is merited. And the simple reason is that these DAU numbers, the 8% growth, which, by the way, all that came from outside of the U.S., is impressive despite the news. You're, you probably have covered that well. I've been listening to the call, and the first thing that Zuckerberg talked about was rolling out what he's calling a platform of privacy. And this is going to take a few years. And he mentioned something about a distinction about having our conversations being private, but also not permanent, and that there is some time limit on these conversations that you have online. Something I think will resonate. There is a hypocrisy amongst users that Zuckerberg is getting to with this platform of privacy is that everyone talks about this distrust that they have of Facebook now, but at the end of the day, they're simply hooked on the platform. I suspect if they can actually build some goodwill around privacy, that will only increase their tie-in and their user, uh, the user growth and usage across the board. So uh, most impressive. Do you think the privacy concerns, the, the concerns over government regulation, do you think that that needs to be put to bed at this point? Uh, yes, it does. Unfortunately, that piece was the biggest outstanding negative here is this massive uh, reserve that they have, 3 to $5 billion, 15% of their operating expense is going to be reserved this year for contingency around litigating uh, around this, these future regulations. It's hard to determine what, in fact, in the timing of those, they will come undoubtedly. But I think what we're seeing here is consumers are voting with their usage and they ultimately, uh, I'm very puzzled by this, but they ultimately want to continue to engage in the platform at a very high rate. And so I think that any sort of legislation, even though it would be headline risk, isn't going to fundamentally change the fact that this is a scale, uh, a platform at scale that's hard to compete with. Yeah. And Gene, normally at this time, we would also be able to ask you about Tesla earnings, which are typically released sometime in the four o'clock hour, typically in the first 15 minutes of that four o'clock hour. It is 510 and 40 seconds right now. We still have not gotten that investor letter yet. What do you make of this delay? So I think that there is bad news coming. I think that they will ultimately guide down for the the June quarter on earnings, potentially on the near term demand. I'm still a believer in this story long term. I don't think that that's the reason why this is a delay. I think the simple reason is Elon Musk um, feels that uh, he's sending a message, a very subtle message here, that he is always late, but eventually always gets it done. And I think he does that with products, he does it with events, and now he does it with earnings calls. 
Uh, the stock is down a percent uh, in the after-hour session, Gene. I know that you have only recently picked up coverage, relatively speaking, compared to the other stocks that you cover, uh, of Tesla. But the last time they reported in the 5 o'clock hour, Gene, was four years ago, 16 quarters ago. And in that quarter, they reported a big loss. Stock is down a percent. What, what's going to be the first number you look for in that investor letter, which is typically, you know, five pages long, single space, small font. So a lot of things to go through. <laughs> uh, you do a control F to find the forward looking guidance and uh, look to see what they talk about the expense piece. I also believe that eventually the company is going to raise money. Uh, I think it's the right thing to de-risk the story, but I'm also going to be looking through the letter to see if they have any uh, language about that. This is the right time to do it for a lot of reasons, but will uh, undoubtedly give some of the skeptics some uh, fuel for their story that the company needs to raise money. All right, 512 and counting, still no shareholder letter. Gene, we'll check back with you a little bit later on. Meantime, let's get more re- instant reaction to some of these big tech earnings. Send over our resident chart expert, Chris Verone, to the plasma. Chris, make your way over yeah, there. Yeah, I think, listen, I think when we look at these pictures, what we need to remember is a lot of these stocks encountered some pretty serious bear markets in 2018. Now, we look at Facebook uh, after hours up 8%, certainly a good response. Got it back above that, that 190 level, which is certainly important. But I want to just take a step back and and look at the longer term chart here. And let's just remember, Facebook in 2012, after the IPO, had a 60% drawdown. The next largest drawdown was actually last year. Stock was down 45. It was actually down 20. It was down 20 and 45 last year. That bear market in this stock is over. Getting back above that 190 level we think was key. It's done it. You have to imagine this at least is going to give a run at those old highs uh, near 220. And then when you look at the other uh, big name that certainly reported today, one of the biggest stocks out there, another positive response uh, for Microsoft here up about uh, 3%. And, you know, it's another name when we look at the longer term story. This has been a one direction stock over the better part of the last five or six years. It first broke out in 2013. It hasn't looked back. It's had two cyclical drawdowns along the way. You had one in 2015-2016. It was down 20% over that period. It recovered this loss in 43 days. It made new highs. This decline last year, also down about 20%. It's now recovered this loss in about 55 trading days. So this quick response to these deep oversold conditions last year is nothing new. It's how the stock behaved last year. We think you want to stay long here. I think ultimately, if we're looking for kind of a near-term target, you, know, you can point to you know, maybe even 175 on Microsoft as they move uh, through the course of the year. But we have to like the response to both these companies uh, with their earnings this year. All right, Chris, thank you. By the way, we do have uh, Tesla's Results, they are out. Uh, Phil is coming through this letter. The shareholder letter will bring you the details as we have it. Meantime, Pete, let's talk Microsoft. I know you're in this name. Yeah. Um, this is one that Chris likes. Yep, I, I like it too. I still think there's plenty of upside. I think it was last week or two weeks ago we were talking about potentially 140 in the cards by the end of the year. I'm not talking about something in the very near term, although based on what we're seeing in the earnings, look at the growth in revenue. Look at the growth that you've gotten as you Look at the growth that you've gotten gaming. I mean, this is a company that just continues to pump out exactly what the market needs, especially given the run that it's had. Microsoft has been on this almost straight up move, it feels like, over the last couple of months, and it's been very, very impressive. One of the leaders old school tech as we call it but I love this name I still think when you look at how much cash they've got minimal debt they've made some acquisitions but when you look at all of that this is a company that is doing everything right and they're playing into the market and they are slowly eating away at some of that market share from AWS 
There's also a decent read into just enterprise, and, yeah. and if people want to look for clues on the economy, um, the fact that you know they're they're continuing to see the operating leverage in this core business. Pete talked about Azure. Exciting. We want to go straight to Phil LeBeau. Tesla stock is down more than 2% in the after-hour session. Just got the numbers. Phil, give us the highlights. Well, it's a bad number if you're looking for the uh, top and bottom line for Tesla in the first quarter. A loss of $2.90. That compares with the estimate from analysts of a loss of $0.69 cents a share. So way worse than expected there. And in terms of revenue, far light of what they were expected to uh, come in with, they uh, had revenue of $4.54 billion. Revenue was expected to be $5.19 billion. So again, on the top and the bottom line, they are way shy of what was expected. A couple of important no- notes, Melissa. Cash and cash equivalents, they end the first quarter with $2.2 billion in cash on hand. So they've got enough for the near term, whether or not that means a capital raise in the future. Certainly that'll be coming up in the conference call in about 15 minutes. They are also reaffirming their guidance for between 360 and 400,000 Model 3 or, or total deliveries, I should say, for all of 2019. And finally, the Shanghai plant that they are currently building that is scheduled to be up and running sometime early in the fourth quarter, according to Tesla. Again, a big miss on the top and the bottom line. Conference call starting at 5.30. Melissa, back yeah. to you. 14 minutes time, Phil, and I'm sure you got to the end. The last two paragraphs of the shareholder letter, 2019 CapEx, the vast majority of which will be to grow capacity, develop new vehicles, uh, 2 to $2.5 billion. They believe the amount sufficient to continue developing the main products. Operating cash flow less CapEx should be positive in every quarter, including the second quarter. That is that is what they had said before, or, or is this different because they're saying X, yeah, that is. X CapEx? Oh, it is. Okay. So that is. As, as I understand it, it is. Okay. I, go ahead. All, all right, Phil. Um, we're going to go to Gene. Uh, Phil, thanks. We'll check back with you. Gene Munster, we got the numbers. There was a massive delay. They've got a massive miss on both the top and the bottom lines. Now what? Well, I think uh, you and Phil were getting to kind of the substance of this about where cash is at, and I'm still not quite clear what the guidance is for the June quarter in terms of revenue and what that implies for deliveries. So um, I understand that the stock's down a little bit here. I would expect that still there's going to be a lot of movement in the stock aftermarket as they really kind of flesh out what their expectations, in particular how China and Europe are, are uptaking and in, in that offset, the negative of the, the wearing off of the tax credit. Uh, this is good to know, Melissa, but still we don't have the key data, the key facts yet in terms of how to really think about uh, the state of the business right now. So in terms of when that conference call kicks off in about 12 minutes time, Gene, do you, do you expect the company to give EPS and revenue guidance? as well for the second quarter? Yeah, I think that they will, will give a little bit more in terms of uh, what the potential loss could be. You outlined some of that, but I think that they, they will flush that out. But that, those details, and uh, to think about our S&X up or down quarter to quarter and just production rates, all of that will allow us to triangulate what better the June quarter, what their view of the June quarter is going to look like. And so that's the reason why we just don't have all the information right now. They say at the end of the letter, Gene, we expect to return to profitability in the third quarter and significantly reduce our loss in the second quarter. And I know that's very fuzzy, but what's your what's your take on? So yeah, my take means? on that is uh, I would say that was generally what we'd expected is for more of a loss in the 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 June quarter. I would point out. Uh, so in, in some ways, yes, that was a guide down. It sounds like they're probably guiding down a little bit for earnings for the June quarter. 
but generally that was expected by investors. I think there was something else that's important when Phil talked about the 360 to 400,000 vehicles, that expectation. They had said that same thing three weeks ago. But for them to hit that number for total deliveries in 2019, I think is going to be difficult. And specifically, it implies about 100,000 vehicles per quarter, and they just did 63,000 in the March quarter. Now, uh, because it's difficult, and I define the near term as the next year, doesn't mean that this company isn't going to make it. I think they will be wildly successful. But I do think that there is still risk to some of the street estimates on on, on deliveries, uh, they will be likely below that 340 to 400,000 range. All right, Gene, we'll let you go back to work here while we trade this stock. Um, very volatile trade in shares of Tesla in the after-hour session. We've been watching it bounce from a, a loss of more than 2% to a, a gain of more than 1% here. Yeah, BK alluded to this last night. I mean, we had talked about, we've talked about it for a long time now. Kudos to Tim, who's been short this sucker for a while. But 249 was the low back in October. We obviously, I guess, attempted to trade down there in the last 20 minutes or so, and I'm not suggesting anything that's happening now is viable. But with that said, if tomorrow this thing doesn't get hammered again for the first time in a while, you might see a potential for a double bottom. I mean, this is a quarter, by the way, back in the old days, this is something called you should pre-announce a month and a half before. This is a disaster. And I don't know how you can take seriously any forecast they give going forward, I mean, in my opinion. But with that said, if the stock doesn't sell off on this, that's very interesting price action. Okay, I, I might just add, this is not a double bottom. This is the fifth time we've now well, tested 250, right? Well, so I don't know many stocks that make quinty bottom. I don't know many stocks that see a low five times and hold it. And I think what we want to watch here is watch the response from the bonds. The bonds haven't bought this story at all. I think they trade 86, 87 cents on the dollar. They're near new lows. So if there's a problem here, I think the bondholders are going to tell you that. Did you cover going into the quarter? No. You short? No. no, no. I mean, look, and, and I, I, to me, the, the most important number I just heard um, were the 2.2 billion in cash on the balance sheet because I, you know, I, I, wherever they could have found that cash, they did, and they reported. I'm, I'm sure they, it's all fine, but you know, that's the most important number I think for people that are worried about a company that's been cutting capex. Um, you got 10 percent fewer deliveries. You've got a dynamic where there's some concern about suppliers. Um, you've had this 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 spat, this public spat with Panasonic, who they have they have commitments to to, to essentially to fund battery production. So. Um, Cash on hand, very mm-hmm. important. Guy talked about 360 to 400. He's, he's skeptical. I, I don't even know how you can get there, especially with the fewer delivery numbers. But but no one's ever bothered to really care about the delivery numbers. So, you know, this this to me, it'll be interesting to hear them talk about the directors. Um, there's been a lot of news this week. Um, there's been a whole, there's been an avalanche of news. And I think, you know, we wait. The chairwoman brought up this interesting point here. What, what if Tesla moved away from delivery numbers? Like Twitter recently did. Like Apple in terms of the units. And they said, we'll continue reporting total revenues. Yeah. But, you know, why Why focus on these? It's an interesting numbers. concept when everybody wanted transparency and then they got transparency. And now these guys are all moving away from that, right? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting concept. I'm not sure that the market's going to like hearing that. And I don't think they want to see that. They want to see what's going on with Tesla. Because to Tim's point, what you're alluding to at least is, boy, these numbers are kind of coming out of wherever. Uh, and the... The idea of listening to numbers yeah. that are so far off, Mel, from what they actually can deliver oftentimes. Well, does that make it when you, when you see a loss that's wider by oh. two bucks a share for the quarter, yeah. do you think I can't invest in this company? It makes it tougher. Yeah. I, I think, you, you know, we look at everything and we all try to try to decipher as much as we can, but it sure makes it more difficult, especially given what Guy was saying. This should have been probably out there already. All right. Again, a volatile trade on Tesla in the after-hour session. The conference call will start off 
in seven minutes' time. Meantime, we are all over the big after-hours movers throughout this hour. We'll bring you the biggest headlines from all of the conference calls going on right now. Plus, check out shares of Chipotle. The stock sitting near its 52-week highs after rallying more than 60% this year alone. The traders will tell you if this hot stock is about to get even hotter. And later, semi-stocks hitting an all-time high today, but a number of names in the group are still way off their highs. Which one should you buy for a catch-up? The traders will weigh in. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on Chipotle higher after its earnings report. Kate Rogers is in the newsroom with more. Kate. Hey, Melissa. Chipotle beating analyst estimates here on the top and bottom lines. Same store sales also increased 9.9%. That's above the 7.3% the street had projected for Q1. RJ Hadavi of Morningstar told me the 9.9% comp on top of 5.8% transaction growth is really the clear highlight of the quarter. He added that with mobile ordering and delivery likely continuing to be meaningful drivers over the near future, and the loyalty program likely continuing to gain steam. We could see high single-digit comps in 2019 and as far as 2020. Digital also grew 100.7% in Q1 year-over-year, now accounting for 15.7% of sales. Take a listen. Digital sales totaled $206 million during the quarter and represented 15.7% of sales. We also relaunched a new Chipotle.com website in February that is helping increase customer conversion. We are pleased to be averaging more than 1 million digital transactions per week. Nickel also talked about the company's new loyalty program, which has enrolled 3 million members so far, just launched in March. They're also continuing to lean into mobile order and pickup as well as delivery with pickup shelves in all relevant restaurants and now 1,300 stores with digital second make lines in place. Delivery is also the fastest growing part of the business. The company sat on that call. The stock is up over 60% year to date. It is the best performer in the restaurant space. And of course, we also have CEO Brian Nickel. He's going to join us exclusively tomorrow on Squad on the street after the opening bell around 9.30 to talk about all of this. So tune in for that. All right, Kate, we will. Thank you, Kate Rogers in the newsroom. This seems like an example of a stock that's run way up. I mean, mm-hmm. Kate had mentioned the, the monster performance into this earnings report, right. and, the, and it's flat. In the and, and you'd expect it to be running way up, and they could right. do nothing that would absolutely give the market what they wanted, except for the fact that instead of $3, they gave three forty dollars a share. I mean, when you look at that, plus the digital growth, and she's talking about deliveries, all, every single aspect of the business is going well. The thing you can't get your arms around, though, is the valuation. I mean, it's presently valued at about 100 times earnings. And then if you go forward, you're still talking in the 60 times earnings. So I think it's really difficult, I think, for anybody sitting on the desk to say, you know what, this is a buy. But Brian Nickel has done an amazing job transforming this company very rapidly into exactly everything he did at Taco Bell. Hard Remember? to say it's a buy? Hard to say it's a buy? Well, I've been, I've been, I didn't think it was. It was a $395 stock in December. Yeah. It's trading north of 700 now. It trades close to, I think, 45 times forward, whatever numbers you want to put. I've got 60. Let's call it 60. Let's call it 60 just for, (laughs) it's a a ridiculous valuation. I'll say this as well. Operating margins were disappointing. 
But, you know, when Domino's, remember that huge run in Domino's when everybody said, yeah. you know, and Steve Grosso was one correctly said, it's a technology company. I think that's what people what are saying now about as crazy as that might sound quickly. October 2015, I think the stock topped out at 750 ish. Mm-hmm. That's a level you might want to look at now. All right. Let's check out uh, where we stand in terms of the other after hours movers as we head to break. Facebook, the big winner here. That stock is up 10% to see a Mark Zuckerberg speaks on that call. Meantime, Microsoft sitting at an all-time high. And then there is Tesla. It is up by 1.3% despite a big loss. We will uh, bring you the very latest on these reports. The Tesla conference call, by the way, kicks off in 30 seconds time. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC. First in business worldwide. Much more Fast Money coming up next. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on Xilinx. Shares of the chipmaker sinking double digits despite posting record revenue numbers for the fourth quarter. The company also announcing the acquisition of SolarFair. Of course, the stock has uh, run up about 45% this year. Guy, what happened here? Uh, well, I'll tell you what happened. It was a fine quarter. They beat EPS by a penny. They beat revenues. Margins were basically in line. But valuation got in the way from a stock that's gone from 88 to 138 and effectively a straight line over the last couple months. I think people said the quarter was fine, guidance okay, not good enough, let's take profits. I'm not comparing the companies, but I'm comparing the price action. We've seen this with Adobe for the last couple yeah. of years mm-hmm. when they had stock as a huge run. They come out, report, quarters are fine, they sell off the stock. Two weeks later, it's making a new all-time high. I'm not suggesting that's what happened in Xilinx, but if you look at the quarter, it's a fine quarter, and they did everything they needed to do. I think people are taking Sounds profits. Sounds like you'd be inclined to buy this 11% decline. I want to see what, how it shakes out tomorrow, but yeah, I mean, I think, yes, I would be, to be honest with you. All right, meantime, the SMH Semiconductor ETF just an all-time high today. Despite the big run-up this year, a number of chip stocks are still a long way from the top. Shares of NVIDIA and Micron both down more than 30% from their 52-week highs, while Applied Materials down 22%, Advanced Micro off by more than 17%. For more on these chips and how to play catch-up with the group, uh, let's bring in our resident chartist, Chris Verone. Yeah. What are you looking at, Chris? You know, I He's think going up again, again. twice in one yeah. double, double. Tired. Double, know, double, double. Animal style. I think he goes we, up three. It's Remember the, the triple, 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 triple. triple. I think we want right. to stay long here. And you know what's compelling is sometimes we forget what the longer-term price action looks like. This is uh, the semis over the last 25 years. We're only just now beginning to take out those highs from 1999. This was, on a 20-year basis, a net return of zero, just breaking out to new highs. This high, 1475 that we just broke above, and the low here was about 1075. That's about a 400-point difference. We can 
then extrapolate, we think ultimately 400 more points before you get your next target. That's how we measure price targets. And you know, when we look at the semis just in terms of message, I think one of the really important stories is, is that you're starting to see the semis now outperform software. That is a big change from last year. In the low growth, growth scare environment, semis underperformed all year. That has started to change here. I think this is, ref- I think this is uh, a reflection of cyclicality. I think it's a reflection of global growth. What names can we play some catch up with? Because the index is up something like 35% year to date. Are there any that have trailed? This one stands out to us, uh, Maxim Products, MXIM, uh, about a $17 billion company. It's up 19% year to date, so it's done half of what the semis have done. It's quietly put in this uh, nice little base, got above uh, 60 today. We suspect this one gives a run back uh, at those old highs near 70. So we got some room here, 60 to 70. I think it's a way to play catch up. But when we put the group in context, this is 20 years of nothing, just beginning to break out, outperforming software is a pro-cyclical, pro-growth message, and that's what we like to see. Pete, would you say long semis here? I would. I actually like a lot of these names. I'm in a lot of these names. One of the names I'm still in is Xilinx, and, and I, know, I know it's down. I've been piece, taking pieces off here and there a little bit. I still had some going into earnings. I debated taking the whole thing off. I made a mistake. I held on to it. But I still believe in a lot of these names, whether it's Intel, I, which I own, AMD, which I own, and Xilinx, which I own. I like those names. Yeah, you know, 44 to 48% in 84 days. This is ridiculous. And relative to the S&P, it's outperformed the S&P by 20% since January. By the way, a lot of this is on the back of the Fed. So to be clear, um, you've actually taken out the highs relative to the market that you hit in March of last year and November of 2017. If, if you think the Fed is going to change course at all, I would get out of the way on this. I'm, I'm not going bearish so on semis. I'm telling you, a, cic- a really super is, cyclical leverage to the economy. It's, it's, it's always, we know, super cyclical, mm-hmm. but it's particularly levered to the Fed. And, and, you know, we're at a point here where we expect absolutely nothing from the Fed. Markets at all time highs. Financial conditions are actually loose as they've been in a long time. That's something to think about. All right, let's get a check on some of the big earnings movers as we had to break. Facebook surging nearly 10%, cracking 200 at one point, 199.73. Uh, right now, is the call is underway. Microsoft, meantime, hitting a new after-hours high. And then there's Tesla. It is higher right now by a percent. Elon Musk is on the company's webcast right now. Gene Munster is hard at work on that red phone. We'll hear from CEOs Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk right after the break. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg speaking on the call as the stock is at its after-hours highs. Let's get to Julia Borson in Los Angeles for the details. Julia. Melissa, Facebook shares moving higher as Mark Zuckerberg reassured investors that his shift to creating a privacy-focused vision for the future of social networking, a platform he says he's going to work on for the next five years, he says it won't hurt long-term expectations for the business and it won't cannibalize Facebook's core ads. The reality is any impact is going to be longer term, and we don't know exactly how this will play out yet. But on some of the questions like whether encrypting content will hurt our business, I'm more confident that won't be a significant issue. Uh, We don't use the content of messages between people to target ads today. So encrypting that content uh, won't change what we do. It'll strengthen people's privacy without meaningfully affecting our business. Now, Zuckerberg didn't specifically comment on Facebook's $3 billion charge it took due to that inquiry by the FTC. He left that to his CFO. But he did speak to regulation, outlining areas where he wants countries to regulate and take the decision-making away from Facebook. Part of building trust will be deferring to a public process on how to make these trade-offs. 
I understand that any regulation may hurt our business, but I think it's necessary. Getting these issues right is more important than our interests, and I believe that regulation will help establish trust. CFO David Weiner did adjust the company's expense outlook higher due in part to that $3 billion charge, saying operating expenses will grow between 47 and 55 percent this year. That's up from the prior range of 40 to 50 percent. Weiner also warning that revenue growth will continue to decelerate with headwinds to ad targeting. That's due to a number of things, including regulation, enabling people to opt out of targeting ads, and of course, all of these new services that Facebook is offering their users to enable them to opt out, not to mention this uh, private messaging that they're working on. Melissa? All right, Julia, thank you. Let's get back over to Gene Munzer at the Plasma to break down what we've heard so far. And Gene, I want you to use your Rosetta Stone mm. and decipher oh, what man. Zuckerberg just said on the conference call, because the sound bites that Julia just played, he says on the one hand, he doesn't think that there's going to be impact near term, but the long term, there's no way to tell what the impact is. I don't really understand what I'm supposed to believe here. Well, what he's saying is going to be a subtle shift to the business, Melissa, and ultimately this platform will be small features. He doesn't think that having, if it was a, a big impact in terms of how people were using the Facebook products like Instagram or Stories, that would cause something that would be jarring. So I think what he's uh, essentially uh, foreshadowing here is that this is going to be this uh, privacy platform will be subtle new features that will be added that will not fundamentally change how people use the platform. He alluded to advertisers and not cannibalizing its core ads. And I'm wondering what you're, t I mean, we, we've seen a whole lot being thrown at advertisers and they still haven't left the platform. Um, what could be the concern, though, as Facebook pivots to this privacy-oriented platform? Well, ultimately, as you talk about, he talks about privacy and specifically on how data is used. That's one of the reasons what makes this platform so powerful is this specific data allows this incredible targeting. The second piece is just the raw number of users, the reach that it has. But going back to the first point, the way that this platform could have an impact on monetization if they start to take away some of the data, some of the tools that advertisers use for better targeting, that could impact monetization. What's a grade for the quarter, Gene? So, Melissa, I'm going with a B-plus here. Mm. Did a great job of growing users despite all the negative press out. There's still regulatory uh, overhang here. Uh, and the last positive piece is they do have some optionality around messaging, e-commerce with Instagram, and even virtual reality. All right, Gene, we'll let you get back to work. We'll check back in with you. Um, let's trade this. Gene gave it a B-plus. Pete, what would you give Facebook? You know, uh, given the quarter, I think overall I'd say somewhere in that ballpark. B-plus makes a lot of sense to me. I, I, you know, they, they cut some of the CapEx forecast that they'd had, but there's still some headwinds they talk about for the second half of the year. So I, I, I don't know. I get a little bit nervous after the run that Facebook's had and what, what I'm seeing here. I just, I'm starting to think I need to take a little bit off. I own the stock, and I... Uh, I don't know. I don't like what I'm hearing about the second half of the year. I want to take Gene's classes because I think he's Mr. B+. And, you know, sometimes that's enough for me. You but mean like a great inflation kind of thing going look, on Look, I, you know, Gene. Are you a B-pluser? Yeah, look, I'll take it. I'll take it now. Uh, the bottom line is on Facebook. What I think is different about this call um, is these guys are taking a tone with regulators that basically bring it on um, in, a, in a very respectful way. In other words, they're saying it's not up to us. We're willing to take our, our, our medicine um, and we'd like to listen from you. But also that the expenses are higher than expected. And in other quarters, that has been a big deal for this stock. So interesting. Yeah. If up 9% is a B plus, I'd love to see what an A is. Uh, I, I think this was a fantastic quarter. Uh, the stock reflects it. I want to press it long. Oh. It's always been our experience when 
the executives welcome regulation. It's because the, they know it prevents competition. Uh, and I think that's the message from this quarter right here. You've Mel's made that point a number of times that regulation is good for the big guys and gals yes. and it crushes the little guys and gals. I would take a B plus any day of the week, although that's something that would make you weep. Number one. <laughs> number two, and to Pete's point, this is the this is coming off of Facebook, continues to expect revenue growth rates will continue to decelerate sequentially through 2019. I mean, that should be somewhat concerning, to your point again, given the run the stock has had. So I don't know if it's a B plus A. I thought last quarter everything they said was far better than this quarter. So I would expect the stock to sell off a bit. Look at Tesla shares. They're up 2%, up 2% after this earnings report. Elon Musk is speaking on that call right now. We'll bring you the comments in just a few minutes. And it's not just Tesla. Check out Microsoft. New high in the after-hour session. Visa, the only name lower right now. Much more fast on this very busy night. Welcome back to Fast Money. Boeing up slightly today after reporting earnings before the bell. The company announced earnings in line with the street, but came in late on revenue, saying it took a $1 billion hit in the first quarter due to the grounding of the 737 MAX, stripping back full-year guidance. But options traders think the stock could be about to take off. Mike Coe's in San Francisco with the action. Mike. Hi there. Yes, so we did see above average options volumes today following their earnings release and bullish bets outpaced bearish ones. One of the trades that I was looking at was a purchase of the May 10th, 382 and a half calls. Somebody paid $6 for a thousand of those. And that is someone who's making a bullish bet that Boeing is going to exceed that 382 and a half strike price by at least the six bucks that they paid. That would take it above 388 and a half by May 10th. And I think this is interesting because on their earnings call, they did indicate that they obviously had to withdraw any prior guidance, but they didn't release new guidance, but they did indicate that some information would be coming out shortly. That also would mean that the stock would likely recover the prices that it hasn't seen since they announced those 737 max production cuts on April 5th. Pete, what'd you make of the action? You know, I'm amazed at how well this, the resilience of Boeing, I think, is absolutely unbelievable. And when you look at free cash flow, it's something everybody always talked about. It's actually down 10%, but it's still amazing. It's an amazing number. At some point in time, you got to figure this is going to be on the back burner. And because of that, I think Mike's right with these calls that we're seeing out there. I think a lot of people are starting to bet on the idea that this is a stock that no longer is going down, seems to want to be going up. All right. For uh, more options action, full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up, Tesla holding on to gains in the after-hour session despite reporting a bigger-than-expected loss. The always colorful CEO, Elon Musk, is speaking on the company's webcast right now. Gene Munster's on that red phone on the call. He's listening in. We'll bring us the latest when Fast Money returns. Welcome back. Volatile trade in Tesla. It is up right now in the after-hour session. Elon Musk speaking on the company's webcast. Let's get to Phil LeBeau for the details. Phil. Melissa, the Q&A part of the conference call where the analysts are getting a chance to ask questions is just now beginning. During the prepared remarks, Elon Musk kept his comments fairly brief, although he did allude to the fact that when you look at the first quarter, keep in mind that they had very lumpy production and lumpy deliveries in terms of surges as well as uh, gaps in those deliveries. Here's what he had to say about the rush of deliveries at the end of the quarter. All deliveries occurred in literally the final 10 days of, of Q1. As a result, a, number, a large number of vehicles, the vehicle deliveries uh, shifted into Q2, which caused net, Q1 net income to be negatively uh, impacted, as we simply could not get the vehicles to customers physically in time. In response to this, we are in the process of regionally balancing our vehicle bills throughout the quarter. 
By the way, keep in mind that they expect to have the Shanghai plant, Melissa. They expect that to be up and running by early in the fourth quarter. We're going to hop back on the call. We'll bring you more as uh, Elon continues to talk with analysts. All right, Phil, thanks. Phil LeBeau, let's get back to uh, Gene Munster. Gene, what's the grade on Tesla? So, Melissa, I'm going with a B minus here. Uh, the reason on the negative side is that they missed the delivery numbers for the quarter. They're having logistics problems in China and Europe. On the positive side, the cash balance was about a half a billion dollars more than what I was expecting. They also announced uh, other products, other initiatives, other upside to the story, whether it's autonomy. Musk announced on the call that they're going to come out with an auto insurance product. This is going to compete with the likes of Geico and State Farm. The reason is that those players, Geico and State Farm, uh, are basically fleecing the uh, Tesla owners. Those cars are less likely to get in accidents, but they charge more premiums. So uh, if you put this all together, I think the quarter was largely in guidance, largely as expected. The company is going to have continue to have a rough 2019, but I still feel confident that they will uh, reach escape velocity and fundamentally change transportation. Why do you want a company like Tesla to go into auto insurance? They, they're going into autonomy. They're, I mean, they're going into all these different lines of businesses. Don't you want them to just focus on cars? In the near term, absolutely. And uh, the near term is focused on cars. I think some of the difficulties that they're having with logistics, they're very open to talking about some of the long-term opportunity to get investors to focus on the bigger long-term picture. But to uh, also answer your question is it does make sense for Tesla to play in the insurance game because they have probably the best insight in terms of the reliability of these cars. I did get a chance to do a test drive with the uh, full standard uh, driving features, and I can attest that I am not a good driver, Melissa, and I welcome uh, these types of features to improve my insurance. <laughs> the world welcomes them too, Gene, to keep us from you. Gene, <laughs> uh, thank you. We're going to see you tomorrow for Amazon earnings, so this won't be the last of Gene by far. Uh, Pete, what's your reaction so far? First of all, he's not a great driver. That's why he rides a bike around Minneapolis. We see each other all the time. I would say this. You know, Gene talks about the, they missed on deliveries, right? I mean, they missed on earnings. They missed on deliveries. They've got a lot of different issues that I think are pretty negative. So B minus, I think Gene's being pretty generous with that grading. What would, you, what would your grade be? Uh, I'd be closer like to probably C a C minus. Uh, okay. But, to, but the, the cash <laughs> balance is something that was, I thought, pretty interesting. I mean, uh, and I'm not sure how that came out the way it did. But the fact that they've got the cash balance that they do, that actually is impressive to me. Mr. Short, what do you say? Well, I, I, I tell you what. First of all, I'm incredulous. They say they're going to produce 90 to 100,000. They're going to have 90 to 100,000 deliveries in the second quarter after doing 61. And again, this comment about we st- the last week of the, of the quarter and this and that, I mean, it's, it's, to me, getting to a place where that's an absurd thing to say. In, in terms of the CapEx, again, they're cutting CapEx massively. How are you growing? Whatever happened to the Model 3 changing the world? If anything, this is a company that's slowing down everything. Yeah. This, this, I mean, there's nothing good here. Quick, do we hold the quintuple bottom? I don't think we do. Uh, you don't think we do now? Okay. It's the fifth time we're down here. There's nothing that prevents the name from bouncing here, but... 270 is good resistance. You're a seller above 270. Quick grade, please. Quick grade. That's a D. That's a D in my D. How's for dog? Final trades up next. For dog. Final trade time, Pete. Energy's been on fire. I think Oxy. There was huge buyers today. It's going higher. Tim. We've kind of forgotten about biotech. Biogen to me, long-term pick. Chris Verone. I'm a buyer of Ford. It's the anti-Tesla trade. I like it long here. 
Busy Stock show. draft tomorrow. Yes. yes. Stock Stop draft tomorrow. I'm like when I'm like on the Ocho that makes the comments the about. Remember the Ocho? Zyrex the sell-off is uh, it's too much. The quarter. Come on. All right, that does the rest. Stay back here tomorrow at five for more Fast Money. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX. Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, The ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.